Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning. How are we this morning? Awesome. I heard a fabulous in there somewhere. That's, uh, that's what I love to hear. We're ready to, uh, to receive from God's Word and to obey God's Word this morning. Yeah, a couple of people, not, not so sure. Let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that uh, your presence is always with us. Thank you that as we, as we lift up praises to you, you inhabit the praises of your people. Thank you that when we open your Word, God, you, your Word is living and active. God, you're, by your Spirit, you're bringing these words alive to us, and I pray that you would do that this morning. And I pray that we would respond in obedience, that we would not just be hearers of the Word, but we would be doers of the Word. God, would you, would you come by your Spirit and minister to us this morning? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you've uh, been enjoying our present series over the last uh, four weeks. We really believe it's God's word to us as a church uh, in 2020, that he's growing a new hunger uh, for his presence in our hearts. And we also believe that he's calling us to be his presence in the community. And this morning we've just prayed uh, for those in, in trades and construction and transport. And as Jay said, we're going to continue to do that through the year because we really believe that uh, you know God is calling us to be his life-changing presence in the community wherever he has placed us. And so this morning it's just a little bit of a gear shift in the teaching series this morning. The next two weeks will be just a little bit different to the previous four weeks as we begin to focus on how do we be the presence of God in our community. And today I want to talk about a four-letter word in church. It's a four-letter word you didn't expect to hear in church. It's a four-letter word that you often try not to think about, you know, in church or on a Sunday in general. You know, it's a four-letter word that can actually make you angry. It can make you aggravated when you hear it. It can make you anxious when you hear it. It's a four-letter word that some days you just want to wipe from your memory Altogether, it's a four-letter word ending in the letter K. The four-letter word I, I want to talk about today is work. W-O-R-K, work. And for some of us, you know, work really has become a four-letter word that we prefer not to think about on Sunday. You know, if it's just one day of the week... We could kind of forget about work. We'd love it to be today. For some of you, you know, work is a four-letter word that does make you feel angry because work's not going all that well at the moment. It does make you feel aggravated or it does make you feel anxious. You're not sure, you know, how you're going to push through this next season of work. Some of you have got Not enough work, as Jace talked about before, and you'd really like some more work to provide for your family. Some of you, it feels like you've got too much work to do in too little time, and you're not sure how you're going to get it all done, and you're under a lot of pressure. Some of you, 
Don't like the people you work with. They're annoying. Put your hand up if that's true this morning. There's a couple. Jace, come on. We've got people at work that are annoying. It's true for all of us. It doesn't matter where you work. There's no perfect workplace. And for some of you, you just prefer not to think about the four-letter word of work at church because in your mind, God's got nothing to do with your work. In your mind, you know, what you do here on Sunday is God's work. And he's really interested. You might be a volunteer here. You might, you know, help out on, on our welcome team or our music team or out in our kids team. Or you might, you might serve on a Friday night at youth or lead a, a life group. And, and you kind of look at that and you think, well, that's God's work. You know, that's the work that I do for God. And God's really interested in that work. God cares about that work. But what I do Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, or whatever your normal working hours are, God's got nothing to do with that work. It's just a necessary evil. And if you're really honest, many of you would say, oh, God doesn't really care about that work. He's not really interested in that work. And so work is a four-letter word that you think, what's it got to do with what we do here at church on Sundays, you know, maybe you've effectively compartmentalized your life. It's kind of like, you know, Sundays is all about God, but Monday to Friday, it's just all about my work. And God's got nothing to do with my work. You see, we've created in this Western culture that we're all a part of this, this spiritual and secular divide as if what we do here and the quiet time that we set aside to be with God, really important thing to do and really important to gather like this, that's kind of God's time and, and it's, it's God's work. But then there's a secular part of my life that's got nothing to do with, with God. It's got nothing to do. My time there has got nothing to do with God. God's not really interested in it. And we've created this spiritual and secular divide. God cares about Sunday, but he doesn't care that much about Monday to Friday. I want to read some scripture in just a moment that refutes that idea completely. And I hope that God might bring some correction to your heart, to your mind, some encouragement to you about your workplace this morning through his word. But first I want to watch a clip, just a short clip from a movie actually the greatest movie ever made. And I actually believe it gives us a picture. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I actually believe, I believe God spoke to me about this this week. I really believe it gives us a picture of the way our Father in heaven thinks about your work. Greatest movie ever made, The Castle. Just have a look at the screen. <laughs> Dad also had a way of making everyone feel important. Go on, Dale. Tell him. Go on, tell him. Dale dug a hole. Like the time I dug a hole. Start of the patio. That's it. I actually believe in, all, in my heart that that is a picture of the Father heart of God. 
I I am going to talk about work today, but what I really want you to get from the Scripture is a glimpse of the Father heart of God. I actually believe we, we have a Father in heaven who looks down at us and goes, tell them, Dale dug a hole. And he's actually proud of the work that you did. Now, it doesn't matter what work you do here today, it's kind of not too complex, and digging a hole is not that complex, but it doesn't matter what work you do here today, it's not that complex compared to the work of God. I mean, on day one, God said, let there be light, day one of work. Let, let there be light. Day two of God's work, he said, let us make the sky an expanse, you know, for us to look up at. Day three of work, he said, you know, let's make the oceans and then let's separate the oceans with land. You know, day three of work, I mean, this is pretty significant work. Day four of God's work, he says, let us put stars in the sky, billions of them. And you kind of look at God's work, he's done some pretty good work and it's true to think that anything that we do compared to God's work is not that complex. But I actually believe we we have a Father in heaven who looks down and, and he says, come on, tell them, everybody needs to know this, Jono built a boat. Come on, people, Jono built a boat. Put your hands together for Jono. You know, Matt fixed a car. Put your hands together for Matt. You know, the, the God, the, and that is impressive. I cannot fix a car. You know, you know the, the God who, who made light to light up the whole world says, Julian put some wires together and gave light to a suburb. Come on, put your hands together for Julian. This week, Sam taught a class. He taught kids to play music. Put your hands together for Sam. You know, this week, Naomi sung a song, and she sung it better than anyone I know. Put your hands together for Naomi. I could keep going around the room. Jace was an expert on social media. Put your hands together for Jace. I could keep going around the room. I actually believe with all my heart, I'm going to show it from Scripture, that we have a father in hell. I mean, Daryl Kerrigan's a good dad. Man, he's a good bloke. But do you really believe that our father in heaven has any less joy in what you do than what Daryl has when Dale digs a hole? He's a perfect dad. He's a dad who gets excited about what you do. He's a dad who's cheering you on, whatever it is that you do. He's cheering you on today. Let me illustrate this from Scripture, just so you don't think my whole theology this morning is from the castle. But does anyone agree with me, greatest movie ever made? Come on, yeah, there's a couple of you. You know, one of the great heroes of the faith in Scripture didn't preach a sermon, he didn't run a thriving kids and youth ministry, he didn't write a song, he, uh, you know, he, he wasn't known for the, the way that he unpacked scripture for people. You know, one of the great heroes of the faith, and, and you'll all know his name, maybe you don't all know what he did, but you'll all know his name, 
Nehemiah built a wall and he dug some holes. And God thought that what he did was really good. And God was present with him while he built that wall. And God was very proud of the wall that he built. You see, Nehemiah, he had a good job. Before he built this war, he had a good job, but a slightly dangerous job. He was the cupbearer for the king, for the king of Persia that had overthrown uh, Babylon. And it's not a bad gig. I mean, he had to taste all of the wine that the king wanted to drink to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Now, if it was poisoned, he dropped down dead, and then you'd say, well, maybe it, it wasn't a good gig. But there was an element of danger to this job, but it was a pretty good gig, a wine taster. You had to drink wine at, at every meal. It's kind of like being a bed tester. I mean, that, that's a job I, I want, or this would be my favourite, a pizza consultant. Anyone like to be a pizza you know, consultant or you know, to be the, the quality controller for dairy milk chocolate? You know, I actually met that person down in Hobart, or one of those people down in, in Hobart one time. I mean, there's some good gigs going around. And, and Nehemiah's got one of them. He just hangs out in the palace and he drinks wine. But, but Nehemiah was cupbearer when, when Israel is returning to Jerusalem after 70 years in captivity. And the first exiles have gone back to Jerusalem and word gets back to Nehemiah that they're back in Jerusalem, but the city is a mess. It's not a good place to raise a family. The walls have been, have been smashed to pieces and that's a big deal in a city back then. It's like their ultimate border control. It's what actually created, you know, a safe place, a safe place for people to raise their families and not be constantly invaded by bigger armies around them. And so the walls are crumbling down and this was not a safe place for people to raise their families. And this is Nehemiah's, you know, hometown or his ancestors' hometown. It's the place that God had given them to raise their families. And so when Nehemiah hears about this, even though he's really living in the lap of luxury, drinking wine all day, he hears about this and he's gutted. He's absolutely gutted for, for the people in his hometown of Jerusalem. And it, he goes, and he fasts and he prays and he says, God, what are we going to do about this? And as he's fasting and he's praying, God put it on his heart to actually go back and to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and make this a great city for, for people to raise their families in again. And so he goes before the king and it says it's the first time, if you read Nehemiah chapter 1, it's the first time that the king has ever seen Nehemiah looking sad. That's because he's drinking wine all jolly day. And so normally he's had a couple of cupfuls before he goes into to, to lunch and dinner and he's got a happy look on his face. And this is the first time the king's actually seen him looking sad. And he says, what's wrong, you poor old sausage? And Nehemiah tells him the story and says to the king, if you'll give me permission, I want to go back and rebuild the walls. And the king, the, the favour of God's on Nehemiah, and he says, yeah, I'll give you permission to go back and build the walls. And he gives him safe passage to get back there. And he gives him references to get everything that he needs to rebuild 
the walls. When he gets there, he sees that the place is a mess. This city really needs some work. And so he gathers together all the leaders and all the workers. And he says, let's rebuild this wall. He envisions them to what the city can be one day if they work hard. This is what it says in Nehemiah chapter 2. He says, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And all the people, all the leaders replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this, say it with me, they began this. Say it again. Some of you think that's an oxymoron. Good work. You know, those two words don't go together. But God looked at what they were doing and he's recorded it in his word that this is good work. There was some hard work that they had to do. There were some challenges that they had to face. They had people coming against them. But God says rebuilding this wall is good work. And I want to encourage you this morning. God's made you to do good work. God's made you to do good work. You see, what we need to understand when we think about the role of work in our lives and in our community is that work was always part of God's good creation. Work's not a result of sin. Work was always part of God's creation. I'm not going to unpack this this morning, but I actually think we'll work in heaven. You know, in Genesis 1 and 2, it's, a, it's, a, it's the picture of heaven on earth. Before sin came into the world and we see God at work, Genesis chapter 1, God at work, day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and then he rests on day 7. And then in Genesis chapter 2, he, he says to Adam, look after the garden. You know, this is what I want, look after the animals. You've got work to do, tend to the garden. This is paradise for you to look after. Work was always part of God's good creation. Work is not a consequence of sin. God, work was always part of God's plan for you. It's kind of like I, I read Genesis 1 and 2 and it's kind of like God is this incredible artist and he's created something beautiful and then he puts a, a paintbrush in our hands and he says, join me in creating something beautiful. Join me in, in, in working on this place and, and, and making it something beautiful. So work was part of God's good creation. But as we get into Genesis 3 and beyond, we see that work, like everything else, was actually corrupted by sin. You know, sin corrupted our relationship with God. It corrupted our relationship with each other. It corrupted our relationship with the world around us. It corrupted our relationship to work. And so what has happened, and particularly I think if we look in, in, our, in our current climate, we'd say, you know, we, we make our, our, our default is to make work all about our worth. We feel good if we're honoured and acknowledged in our work, but if we're not, then, you know, we might feel worthless. We feel good when we've got a good job, but when we're out of work for a while, we feel worthless, and so it's one of the ways that sin has corrupted our understanding of work because our worth was never supposed to be found in work, but our worth was supposed to be found in being a child of God. And the other thing that we see that sin corrupts our, uh, God's intention for work is that work becomes all about wealth. 
Now, obviously, it's one of the reasons that we work is to accumulate wealth to provide for our families. That's a good thing to do. The Bible says it's a good thing to do. But when work becomes all about wealth, we actually start to exploit this creation that God has given us for the sake of wealth. We start to exploit people and treat them badly just to get wealth when work is all about wealth. And many of you would have experienced that. You've been in workplaces where it's all about wealth and you felt exploited. And it wasn't a good feeling. You see, work was always part of God's good creation, but work, like everything else, has been corrupted by sin. And Jesus' work on the cross was to restore all of creation. You know, in Colossians chapter 1, it tells us that Jesus' death and resurrection redeemed us, reconciled uh, us to our relationship with God when sin separated us. But it was reconciling all things On the cross, you know, God was reconciling all things, you know, on earth to himself. He was putting things back in their right order. And so he's calling those of us who know the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives, who have been reconciled to God, to join him in bringing healing and restoration to the world around us through our work. That's what he's calling us to join in his restoring process. And so I want to encourage you today that your good work contributes to Jesus' restoration of his creation. Let me read from Ephesians 2. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Let me be really clear about this. God is proud of your work, but you are not saved because of your good works. And your worth is not found in your good works. God's word is very clear about this. You are saved simply by grace, by faith in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. It's a gift of grace. Nothing to do. You cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. There's nothing that you'll ever do that will make God love you more than he already does. He's a good father who loves you. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, there's nothing that separates you from that love anymore. It's got nothing to do with your good works. But let's read the next verse. It says, for where God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do, let me hear those two words again, to do good works. It's God's plan, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved simply by grace, but there's good works that God's planned for you to do. And it'd be crazy to think, when you really think about this, it'd be crazy to think, that that would just be about Sunday. Or that would just be about the church. It is about the church. There are good works for you to do in the church. It would be crazy to think that God would so compartmentalise the way he looks at this world that those good works were just about what you did in the church. You see, God knew how he was going to make you. He had you in mind since before the creation of the world. He knew the good works out there that have got your name written all over them. That there's good works He's calling you to do to contribute to the restoration of his creation. Now, sometimes we think what we've got to do is we've got to combine our work and our spirituality to do meaningful work. And so we think, we we think we have to be a missionary 
or, or we have to be a pastor to do spiritual work. Now, that, that's what spiritual work looks like. Or maybe we think we've got to, you know, somehow, you know, uh, you know, bring our spirituality into our workplace in a certain way, like we've got to put a fish sticker on our lunchbox, you know, or, or, or we've, got to, we've got to create a swear jar in the office so everyone, you know, is reminded that God doesn't want us to swear. I'm not saying, we, you know, we shouldn't find ways of helping people know that we're followers of Jesus. But, 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 you know, and maybe right now, this would be a great evangelism technique. You could just leave some scriptures on the toilet roll at work. Everyone's going to be going to the toilet at work over the next couple of weeks, stealing toilet rolls. If they take it home, you can remind them that God loves you. He gave you his son to make you clean. <laughs> he will wipe away all your sins and make you white as snow. I think some of you actually need to start this at work during the week. And just to remind everyone, believers fold, they do not scrunch. Hey, I'm not saying it's not good to, to be obvious about your spirituality at work. I'm just saying what we need to understand is that the work you do is good work. The work you do is spiritual. God never created this spiritual and secular divide. Now, I remember when I was 19... And I was working at the time as a brickies labourer. But I'd, I'd, I'd just not long ago just really committed my life to, to follow Jesus. And, and it just filled me with his spirit. And I was volunteering in the church and youth work. And I had this growing desire to be a pastor. And I distinctly remember this day at 19, working as a brickies labourer. And we were re-stumping a, a house with a timber floor. And so, you know, there was brick piers under the house ranging from about 600 high to probably 1,200 high. But it meant all day, while the bricklayers were under there re-stumping these piers, I was on my hands and knees dragging in bricks for them to relay these piers on my hands and knees, sometimes getting down to 600 high with a rope over my shoulder, dragging in this bucket that had bricks and mud in it so that they could rebuild these piers. And I remember that day, it was hot. It must have been January or February and I was sweating and there were spiders and I just remember thinking, oh man, there's got to be something better to do with my life than this. It's got to be better being a pastor than doing this. And the next week, I, I actually took annual leave to serve on a, a kids' camp, teaching kids ab about Jesus. And I remember night four of this camp, and uh, 70 kids out of the 140 that were there got food poisoning. It was an alternate drop at dinner. 70 primary school kids got food poisoning. And I just remember all night going around on my hands and knees, picking up kids' vomit 
and putting it in a container, picking up carpet tiles just covered in vomit, putting it in a container and dragging to some place where more kids wouldn't get sick, putting kids in isolation. It had gone on for hours. And I remember finally getting to sleep in my, on my vinyl mattress in my dormitory and, uh, and I could just smell vomit everywhere. And I could just feel this kind of big chubby kid who was asleep above me starting to, starting to roll around in his sleep. And then I could start to hear his stomach gurgle. And within 60 seconds, I could see his head just hanging over the the bunk bed above me and just projectile vomited all over the floor. And it was just starting to pile up. It was really solid. Like, you remember remember those wagon, chocolate wagon wheels? Well, he'd been to the camp canteen. He must have bought, bought 43 of them. And he'd eaten every single one. There was this regurgitated chocolate wagon wheels just piling up next to my bed. And I just had to wait for a reprieve in the downpour when, when I could just get out, pick up another carpet tile and just walk it out into the darkness and carry this kid into isolation. And I'm thinking, man, it's good being a Bricky's labourer. I tell you that story just to say every single job has its moments. Every job has its moments when you think there must be something better than I can do, that I can do with my life. I've had those moments as a pastor for the last 25 years. They often happen on a Saturday night while I'm still up writing a message, but there's plenty of times that they happen. I've had those moments on construction sites doesn't matter what we do. There'll be times where it always seems like there's something better that I can do with my time. But I want to encourage you today. The most spiritual job you can do is the one that God has gifted you to do for His glory. If you're gifted with your hands, build. We don't need builders walking around thinking, you know, if I was really spiritual, I'd be a pastor. We need builders who who know that the most spiritual thing that they can do is to build great homes for people to, to live in for the glory of God. If you're gifted creatively, create. If you're gifted to teach, educate. If you're gifted to nurse, you know, care for those who are sick and bring healing to people. If you're good with numbers, you know, use that ability to stop people getting into a financial mess. You know, if if you've got the opportunity to clean, know that you're keeping homes and workplaces safe for people. All of creation has, has God's fingerprint on it. Therefore, any contribution you make to the betterment of it is a spiritual vocation. God's proud of you. Your work, as much as anything that you do, is worship to God. You see, your your work is worship when you work at it with all of your heart. See, the wall builders in Nehemiah faced many big challenges, but Nehemiah kept reminding them, You're not just digging a hole. You're not just building a wall. We're building a city for God. We're building a city for families. We're building a city where people can raise their kids and it's important to God. So Nehemiah 4, it says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all of their hearts. 
They worked with all of their heart. They, they worked with all of their heart because their work was a spiritual act of worship to God. Let me skip to the New Testament, just so in case you're thinking, man, this is just Old Testament stuff he's talking about today. New Testament says this, talking to people like us in a church just like us. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. He says, whatever you do, he's talking to people in all trades, all professions, all vocations, whatever you do, do it with all your heart because you are actually doing it for God. When you go to work on Monday, God is the boss of your life there as much as he is the boss of your life here. God is your boss, Colossians says, and he will reward you. It's another great uh, encouragement. He says your labour in the Lord will never be in vain. When you're working at it with all your heart, it will never be in vain. See, the best way to be a Christian in your workplace is to be the best that you can be at whatever he's called you to do. So what does it mean to be a truly Christian plumber? Take brown water out and bring clean water in. What does it mean to be a truly Christian lawyer? Bring truth to light and justice to our community. What does it mean to be a truly Christian dentist? Actually, I'm not sure you can be a Christian and a dentist. They're, they're evil people. I ain't kidding. I'm not good with a dentist. What does it mean to be a truly Christian airline pilot? Land the plane on the runway. It's good for all creation. You see, every good work is a spiritual act. Let me just finish this morning with just a couple of quick encouragements for your workplace, wherever it is that you work. Firstly, Nehemiah chapter 6, if we just skip to chapter 6, it says when all our, no, sorry, they were all trying to frighten us. They had lots of challenges. There was people, not so much they were working with, but people were working against them. They were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it won't be completed. But Nehemiah prayed, God, would you strengthen my hands? And he did. I want to encourage you today, God hears your prayers at work. God hears your prayers at work. Maybe right now in your workplace you're feeling weak, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're not sure you can keep going. It's exactly how Nehemiah and his crew were feeling at different times. But God heard their prayers. God strengthened my hands to build this wall. I just want to encourage you today. God cares about your job. God cares about your business. God cares about your workplace. He cares about giving you strength to work with all of your heart. I just want to encourage you, find your way to pray for your workplace. I got a group of four guys who pray with me early on a Thursday morning and they pray for me in my workplace and I pray for them in their workplace that we would know, you know, the power and the presence of God to, to do what God has called us to do. I got a group of business guys that I pray for when I run. 
They're, they're guys I've got to know over the years in the church, and, and I'm just constantly encouraging them, and just probably not constantly, probably not as often as I should, just sending them messages to saying, guys, just remember God's interested in your business. And I just pray for their business while I'm running. I pray for their families, that they would be God-honoring husbands, God-honoring dads, and they would be God-honoring business leaders. And they tell me some of the difficulties of doing that in the marketplace. And so I pray for them every second day when I run, because I'm too old to run every day. But God hears God hears my prayers. He hears my prayers for them. And at times, he just gives me an encouraging word for them. I don't know what you need to do. I don't know whether you need to run. I don't know whether you need to have an early morning prayer breakfast. I don't know whether you just need to have a a, a way that you get to work five minutes early and you just pray over your office space. I don't know what you need to do. I'm just saying, be intentional about it. God cares about your business. He cares about your workplace. He cares about every single person there, including you. God hears your prayers. And just like when Nehemiah prayed, God strengthen my hands, and he did, he'll hear your prayers. Secondly, God is present with you at work. Verse 16, it says, When all our enemies heard about this, when they heard about the way God had given them strength to finish the job, when they weren't sure they would have the strength to finish the job, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. Why? Because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. God's present with you at work and he wants to help you. God is present with you at work and he wants to help you. Wouldn't it be great if people in your workplace looked at you and looked at the work you did and said, I know God is with them in their work. And I tell you today, if we can be a people of integrity and a people who show the fruits of the Spirit in our workplace people will see the difference. They just will. Fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, perseverance, self-control. Who doesn't want to work alongside a person like that? We all do. The reason a whole bunch of us this morning said I'm frustrated with some people at work is because they're not showing some of those fruits of the Spirit. But when you work alongside someone that is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and perseverance and self-control, they will see a difference in you. You see, we're called to be witnesses for Jesus in our workplace. That might mean leaving gospel tracts on the toilet paper, although I wouldn't encourage it. It might mean putting a swear jar in your staff room, but I probably wouldn't encourage that either. But I tell you, when your work and your words match up, you will be a witness for Jesus. When the words that you speak about what you believe about Jesus and what he's done in your life And the work that people see you do, and you're doing it in the fruits of the Spirit, when those two things match up, word and works, you will be a witness for Jesus in your your workplace. People will see it. He's present with you. And right now, you might 
Think about those fruits of the spirits, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, perseverance. And think, right now, I need one of those fruits. Right now, I'm lacking in one of those fruits. Can I just say, bring it to God. He's present with you and he wants to help you. I love what Brother Lawrence said. He wrote a book or someone wrote the book for him about a whole lot of his thoughts and meditations 400 years ago. He said, the time of work does not differ from the time of prayer. Even in the noise and clutter of my kitchen when several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at communion. He just found a way to know the presence of God because of the way he was practicing the presence of God in private. He learned how to know the presence of God in his workplace. And I just want to encourage you, guy, the more you practice the presence of God in private, the more you'll be able to just take hold of God's peace, his tranquility, his love and his joy in the workplace. He's there and he wants to help you. God hears your prayers at work. He is present with you at work. He wants to make you more like Jesus to be a good witness for him. And lastly, God is proud of your work. Let me uh, just read one more scripture from Nehemiah. And he's listing a whole bunch of people who are involved in this good work. Chapter 3, verse 14, it says, The dung gate was repaired by Malkajar, son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth-Hakarim. He rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Did you know that before this morning? Malkajar, son of Rechab, repaired the dung gate. Rechab must have been so proud. His son repaired the dunny door. It was the gate they carried the poo out of, the dung. I can imagine Rechab telling the story. My boy Malkajar, he repaired the dung gate. Come on, Dale, tell them what you did. Dale, Dale might have dug a hole, but Malkajar repaired the dung gate. And we can laugh at that all we like. But let me tell you, Malkajar's work has been translated into 1,500 languages. Malkajar's good work has been told in every one of 195 countries in this world. Malkajar's good work has gone down in history for the last two and a half thousand years. Whether Recap was proud of what his son did or not, the God of heaven was. And he wrote it in his word for all people, for all time, to see and to be reminded of the good work he did to make this city, this community, a great place for people to raise their families. And you might be here this morning and you're thinking, man, I've got a dung job. You might be thinking, I've got a dung boss. Some of you might be thinking, God doesn't give a dung about what I do for work. Some of you have thought that. It's not true. 
It is not true. You have a Father in heaven who looks down and says, Dale dug a hole. Malkajar built a dung gate. It's good work. And I'm proud of him. And God's proud of you. When you work with all of your heart, when you work with all of your heart at whatever it is that God has called you to do, when you actually choose to make your work and your words marry up together, you will be a witness to Jesus and your work will have an eternal impact on people's lives. And you'll hear those words, whatever He's caused you to do, whatever you're walking through right now, whatever you're persevering through, whatever you're cho- whoever you're choosing to love in the workplace when they're not easy to love, you know, however it is that, that, that you are choosing to bring peace into your workplace situation rather than to create more conflict and inflame conflict, whatever it is that you are doing because you're working with all of your heart, there will be a day where just like Malkajah stood before God and gave account for his work and God recorded it, there'll be a day you stand before your Creator. And whatever you do, when you work with all of your heart, you'll hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. I don't know about you, they're the words I want to hear. I want to encourage you this morning. Your work is worship to God when you work with all of your heart. He hears your prayers. He's present with you in his in your work. He actually wants to help you bring, you know, your words and your work together. So you're a witness for him in the workplace and people will come to know him. And you got a dad in heaven who's proud of your work. He loves what you do. Can we stand together this morning? Hey, I just love to to pray for people. Maybe right now you're just looking at one of those fruits of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, perseverance self-control and you're saying I need God to help me with that in my workplace right now I'd love to pray for you this morning but there's others of you here and it's just this word that's been in my heart all week there's just some of you that are walking through deep waters right now we walk through deep waters it feels overwhelming some of you are just feeling overwhelmed in your workplace and you're uncertain of what to do next. And, and the encouragement from Scripture is God says, I'm with you. I've called you by name. I've chosen you. I will not let the waters pass over you because I'm not going to let go of you. I don't know what it is for you, but I just love to pray for a bunch of you in your workplace. If you today say, hey, I got a, a fruit of the Spirit, I just need... God to help me with in my workplace just come, just begin to come now, we're going to pray for you, or maybe right now you're walking through deep waters in your workplace and you just uh, you, you just need to know the presence of God next to you, just holding on to you walking with you 
just reminding you that he's there and he's never going to let you go. Just, just whatever it is. Come on, just come, just come down right now as I pray. God, thank you that you are present with us in our workplace. Thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, right now, would you minister to your people? God, whatever it is they're walking through, whatever it is they need from you this morning, God, would you strengthen their hands? God, would you fill their hearts? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Jesse's going to lead us in a song, but just continue to come. I'm going to get the prayer team to come down here and pray for you personally. Just just come and receive today. God's, uh, God's got something for you. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.